Welcome to the Brand Community Podcast. Brand communities are the foundation of business growth. They build a human connection between brands and their customers, turn those customers into lifelong advocates, and ultimately grow your business. I'm Sam Heisel, a co-founder and managing partner at Knox, a digital agency that helps brands, artists, and entrepreneurs grow and convert communities online. And I'm Chris Whitman, co-founder of Crony, a creative agency that connects brands and consumers through powerful brand experiences. Every Tuesday, we'll be interviewing marketing leaders and community builders so you can walk away with actionable strategies to help your brand grow and prosper. Welcome to the show. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing today? Doing great, Sam. It's uh, it's raining here in Brooklyn. How's it going out in uh, in Jackson Hole? It's very. We're, we're literally in the clouds, bro. It's like oh, nice. I usually nice. can look out and see mountains, <laughs> and today I just see uh, clouds, which is it's eerily it's like calming. I like it. Silent, silent hill vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Um, with that said, very excited for our guest today, Mr. Mike Parath. He is the CEO of The Mighty, which is the world's largest health community online. The way I kind of like to think about it is they've essentially built a community platform that operates similar to Facebook groups, but for, for different health topics and subtopics. Uh, their stories and videos are viewed and shared more than 90 million times a month. And I think what's really fascinating to me is that when they started the mighty, it actually started as a publisher, but as they continued to get more engagement and as he was scratching the own itch in helping his family deal and overcome with various health issues, he saw the need for community and, and creating this really sense of a supportive environment for people to help each other. Um, so he really pivoted the platform from a more traditional media company and publisher into this very community centric digital product. So really interesting to hear his approach on building these massive communities. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. I think building the community is one thing, um, you know, really driving that engagement is, is a total other thing, especially when you're, you're calling on a bunch of contributors. So, um, he, he outlined some really interesting ways of how, uh, you know, even gamification can be folded in to make sure that people are engaging, um, you know, having very targeted specific requests to the community as opposed to just kind of like broad asks and, and broad call to actions, I think is really interesting as well. Um, and he dives into brand partnerships. So it sounds like uh, he's done a lot to build the community there through uh, brand to brand partnerships as well. So uh, breaking down some of those concepts is, is quite fascinating, I think. For sure. Well, he definitely uh, knows how to balance and walk the walk and talk the talk. Uh, I think he does a good mix of tactics as well as high-level commentary and some just general trends as far as how brands and media companies will continue to evolve. So without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Mike, what's happening, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sam. How are you doing? Cannot complain. Very excited to have you on the show. I think uh, the, the community you've been able to build is, is very impressive and I think it's uh, li- literally changed the, people's lives for the better. Um, with that said, I mean, could you just lay a little bit of context uh, about the Mighty, what exactly the product and company is and how it's kind of evolved over the years? Sure. It's uh, The Mighty is uh, the world's leading health community. We've got 3 million members and it's really designed for folks to share their experiences with each other and that, you know, I, I really believe in the, the power of those shared experiences. There's so much w- wisdom and knowledge that people can share to help each other out, no matter what kind of health condition they're facing. We started more as a publisher. I started it, kind of bootstrapped it six years ago, uh, just doing three stories a day um, and then trying to find, um, you know, areas where you know, we could get, you know, stories from people in the community dealing with health issues in front of um, other people, you know, that were there. And, and it's, it just took off and grew over time. 
Um, so we, you know, we've published now 50,000 uh, stories. Um, and these are generally first person stories from people with a health condition and less about the medical side and more about the, just the human side, the emotional side of what they're going through, what they're dealing with. Um, and those stories, you know, people find through Google and Facebook and, you know, everywhere else on the internet. And a small portion of those people then um, sign up to become members of the community. And again, we started as a publisher and then really evolved into much more of a uh, community platform, social network, where people can, you know, kind of post uh, openly thoughts, questions, all of that, you know, to others, form groups, um, those types of things. And so, um, again, we started as a publisher, really evolved into much more of a, you know, a, a community platform over time. That's, that's amazing. And uh, very curious, too, because I'm sure you were getting some engagement from the audience and that they were longing for more engagement and more community. So I, I guess the this kind of next question is diving into that because I know oftentimes when people are trying to start communities and engage communities and really let people engage with each other, it can be a bit challenging to get those first dominoes to fall. And I think in your experience, I mean, it's it the first dominoes have clearly fallen and it has only continued to snowball from there. But could you speak a little bit uh, to some of the, the how you were able to get and generate some of that initial engagement that laid the foundation and for continued growth? Sure. So, um, you know, my background is as a journalist. I spent most of my career at ABC News, NBC News, and the New York Times. So I'm, I'm a content guy. It just, you know, that's, that's kind of on my heart and soul. And um, I started this uh, community, The Mighty, uh, because I, I have a daughter, uh, four kids, but I have a daughter who um, has a rare disease. She's autistic, has all kinds of challenges. And what my wife and I found was that um, we got the most help by connecting with other people. And so that was really the impetus for all of this. And the thing that struck me the very first day she got diagnosed and I go, you know, searching on Google for like dupe 15 Q syndrome, like what is this, right? And the medical stuff was not helpful to me. The thing that was most helpful was I found an old PDF file that had six stories from parents of kids with these, you know, with this, uh, you know, rare disease. And what struck me as a journalist is like these stories were so powerful, right? And it wasn't because you know, they were amazing writers. It was because like I was on the same journey that they were on. Now I just learned that I was on that journey. And the, the notion I had was like, I wanted to, you know, reach out to them and like grab a beer, right. And like, listen and, and understand more. Uh, but the network, you know, wasn't really there. And what struck me about that is there were a lot of health communities out there, but it was more of like, a, just like a message board. And what pulled me in were real stories from real people. Right. And like that was so powerful to me. And so I started to look at it is what stories really do is they start conversations. Right. And I'm not just talking about the health on, on health or the mighty just in general in our lives, like stories start conversations You get together with your friends and that's how things flow. And then those conversations can kind of start forming communities who wants to participate in those conversations. And that's true of, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a Dodgers fan. I'm glad to see them world, you know, win the world series. I can talk with other Dodgers fans around, you know, something like that. So it's not just health. Um, but that, that arc of stories leading to conversations, leading to community, I really believe in. And so when we started the mighty, we thought the, the gap in, you know, web content around healthcare was in the first, there weren't many first person stories out there that were all kind of collected in one place. And so I think um, the key insight we had really early on was, you know, it's, this isn't about building the greatest technology and, and just coming up with the right features. It was um, really getting into human stories of how people were experiencing health conditions and letting that, you know, kind of drive, you know, those would get shared, they'd find other people, people would grab onto them. And, and that was the right vehicle uh, to start this community. 
Um, and, uh, and again, I mean, every community starts in a di different time and place and there's different tactics and different platforms and all those things to build on. Uh, Facebook was, was very helpful to us early on. Um, it's not a key part of what we do now, but five, six years ago, um, it was a great place for us to kind of start building the community. And then we were in, ending up really porting so many of those people over into our own platform once we built that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that, um, you know, you bring up a good point, especially with your, your journalism background and, and content creator mindset, you know, so often producing content can feel very much like a push strategy mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you can't really force people to engage around content specifically. Um, I'm curious, like, what were some of the ways early on that you kind of helped? I mean, maybe you didn't, but what were some of the ways that you helped encourage people to engage with that content? And, um, you know, also in terms of, you know, Facebook not no longer being like the primary source, where are you kind of finding uh, those community engagement, strat you know, community member to community member um, strategies growing the most right now? I think to answer the first part of your question, um, you know, when we would publish someone's story, at the end, we would like encourage someone who's reading it to share their own story as well. And what we learned was, because um, we have uh, about 13,000 writers now um, who you frequently write about their own experiences across, you know, um, about a thousand different health conditions. And the way we got, you know, the first, second, third, fourth was reaching out and seeing someone's blog and saying, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. Can we actually, you know, we love the story that you did, you know, that you wrote. Can we um, basically put it on our platform, right? And I think the first hundred people we asked all said yes. They were like happy to have their voice, their story, you know, on there. And then over time, uh, as more people started reading that content, you know, we were putting links in to encouraging people to share their own to us to really up the, you know, submissions. Um, we found though that the more specific of an ask we made, the more likely it was that someone would respond. So for instance, like the, you know, key insight we had was, if we just said, hey, become a contributor, share your story here. Well, that means a lot of different things to different people, share your story. When we said, um, you know, write a thank you letter to someone who's helped you on your health journey, like, boom, everybody knows how to do that, right? Like, it's a really simple request. And we had like 10x the submissions um, around a request like that. So the more specific that we are around that, the better. And now we send out monthly challenges where our writers want to know, like, well, what do you want me to write about? So we kind of come up with themes and ideas and things that we think, you know, we look at the data to see what kind of content people are reading and all that. And that's really helped us, you know, kind of shape that, that content engine that gets all of it going. And then after that, it was really building a community platform, which, it, which means handing over the tools, right, essentially to everybody and saying, hey, you guys want to be really engaged in this. Let's just give you the tools to be able to, you know, to go do it. But like the, you know, lead gen kind of operation for us was about this, you know, content machine that we built through, um, you know, people being willing to share their own experiences, you know, and you, and you have to reward them in different ways. For us, it wasn't payment. It was, you know, we, were, we wrote thank you letters to, you know, handwritten thank you letter to everyone whose story, um, you know, that we published. We felt like, you know, that's actually a nicer way of saying like, this really matters to us in a, you know, human heartfelt way than, you know, a $20 gift card or something. It was just like, hey, like, we really appreciate what you have, you know, done here, your experiences, and thank you for, you know, um, sharing with, the, you know, with our community. And uh, that, that bred a lot of loyalty, I think. Um, and so, you know, but we, like anybody else, like, we found our way here. We, we made a lot of mistakes along the way as well. 
know it well. No, no, that part well. Um, <laughs> with with that, I mean, I love everything you just said, especially the point with regards to challenges and using focused ways to make it easier for people to engage and and share their perspectives. I think, uh, yeah, big questions can definitely be more intimidating to the point of no engagement rather than smaller, easier questions that people can engage and respond with. You mentioned kind of doing monthly challenges. Could you dive a little bit deeper into some of the, like how that works and what some of the most successful challenges have been historically? I think that's a really unique way to go about kind of, I mean, when I think about community engagement, you have the community engaging with other members in the community, and then you have you guys kind of initiate engagement between the brand and the community. So that seems really compelling. If you could dive deeper there into some of the most successful ones, it'd be great. Yeah, we discovered, um, you know, you know, we initially were like, we waited for content to come in. And then we got to know a lot of the writers, you know, just through email and all that. And um, they, you know, some of them started asking like, Hey, like, so I've been writing for you guys for six months and like, I love doing all this, but like, I'm kind of out of ideas. Right. Mm. And so then we would go and we would look for, okay, well, you know, pick a topic, you know, parents of kids with, with autism, like what is the content that is really performing well across the, the internet, across social networks. And there's tools you can use, um, you know, to kind of, you know, dive into that. So we could actually look up and say, Hey, here are the top 10 most shared stories, not just from the mighty, but from anywhere around the web around, you know, these different areas. So we started looking at what's driving conversation around the web, you know, along with like, the topic is generally the health condition. And then it was, you know, what are the experiences people are having that's, you know, that um, are framed in, in these stories. And so, you know, we had a level of data that an individual would never have. So right. that, that helped us kind of frame questions and, so in a way, we were saying like, here's a topic. Um, it wasn't as simple as like fill in the blank with your own experience, but it was like, hey, there's a lot of conversation around the web around these types of you know things, um, and so you know around this health condition. Do you have any experiences that may fit you know into here? And that would just spark ideas you know for the writers. But it got to a point where like if we didn't send out that list of challenges, um, uh, you know, first second day of the month we'd start getting inundated with emails being like, Hey, did I miss it? Or, you know, did I get the, you know, did you send out the email with the challenges? Like people were really looking for it cause they wanted, you know, they wanted ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of, you know, the more successful ones, they're really, um, they're, they're about moments mm-hmm. more so than, you know, like if you ask someone to talk about their experience around something, they may start like way early on their journey. Right. right. And tell where they went to college and all those things. And, people have short attention spans now. So what we try to get them to do is really figure out what are the most interesting, you know, emotional, uh, you know, milestone type moments that they've experienced with their health journey, kind of nail those down and like make their stories about those because they're, they're, you know, specific. And so it was less about an individual idea and more about formats mm-hmm. that we could, um, that we could shape, you know, kind of health experiences in that were, you know, that, that drew a lot of other folks in. And, and so that was a learning experience, you know, for us as well, trying to figure out like, what are the elements of the story that help it perform well? And the single most important one was, um, have we really narrowed down to a moment? Uh, and then, and because those, they speak to so many others who have had those moments as well. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, the concept around it, so it's, not, it's almost a lot like gamification to a certain extent where you're, you're really encouraging that, um, that level of engagement and, and contribution. Are, you know, from, from your side of the ball, 
you know, there's obviously from a content conversation perspective, there's obviously going to be things that, you know, just need to exist on a cycle, right? So like every single year, you're going to want to maybe talk about this or like encourage people to refresh stories around this. Do you find yourselves like building a balance between like, you know, just totally new challenges versus refreshing some older ones? And like, how do you find that balance? And, um, you know, how do you move forward with that? Yeah, I think different formats, different kind of content works well on different platforms, like a headline that'll work well on Facebook probably won't work as well on Pinterest and vice versa, right? So um, I think we just continue to learn and, and you know, work with the community on it. Um, I mean, I think what's interesting about that question is, uh, a so a lot of our content, I'd say, is evergreen. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's, whether it was written yesterday or two years ago, it's still really pertinent in terms of the experience somebody else had that may be relevant to your own. And so one of the ways we've looked at it is what are all the distribution vehicles, right? To get it to, you know, uh, folks around the internet and um, email has been massive for us. Like I'd say, so early on, we really relied on Facebook the first year, you know, I'd say it's probably 95% of the views of our content came from Facebook. Now we actually get more uh, through email. Um, and so we send out, uh, I think it's between 25 and 30 million emails a month. Um, what people sign up for. And, uh, and that's a great way to, you know, engage folks because we can recycle a lot of the content that they, it may have, some story may have performed really well a year ago, but this reader who signed up six months ago never would have seen it, right? So we can find high performing stories and put them in emails. Um, and a lot of the folks that are, that care about that, you know, that topic or are interested in that story, they didn't necessarily see it when it was viral on Facebook or, getting, you know, found through Google or something like that. Um, so email has been a great distribution, you know, technique, um, you know, for us. That's amazing. Yeah. The email seems to be kind of like top of mind for a lot of brands these days. And, um, even text message, I don't know if you're, you're using that, um, vehicle at all either, but, uh, that, that's obviously pretty powerful too. Um, you know, you mentioned pulling uh, data from, you know, a number of publishers across the web, and it made me think about brand partnerships and, you know, how you might be partnering with other publishers or other brands in terms of, um, you know, collating community through overlap. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the approaches that you're taking through that lens? And, you know, if, if you are taking that approach, I would love to hear about that. Yeah, partnerships have been key to our growth without question. And I think the, the simplest way we can just look at them, and I would encourage others to look at partnerships is like, what is, what, what's the value exchange, you know, on both sides? It's so easy to be like, oh, I want traffic, right? So who do I find that's going to give me traffic? But really, if you have an honest conversation with a potential partner, like, what do we have that you want? And what do they have that I want, right? And, and how both sides can benefit. And so most of our partners involve like no, no revenue, no cost. It's more of like, what can they get out of, you know, we're typically now the larger side of, of those, you know, kind of exchanges, those partnerships. And so it's a matter of like, it's generally something like, well, a nonprofit wants their resources seen, right? They put all this time and energy into their resources, but like nobody goes to their website. And so we're, and you know, we're like, well, we get hundreds of thousands of views on this topic. We can actually take those resources that we don't have to build out, right? But they're really valuable to folks and get them inside uh, our stories. And we might ask them saying, hey, we would love more of the people in your community to write content for us. Like we would want to learn their experiences. So you know, on their end, they may be sharing our stories and asking people to submit stories to us. And on our side, 
you know, we're, you know, you know providing uh, their resources to a whole lot more people driving awareness around their organization. That's just one example. But if you start the conversation around a partnership on what's the value that, you know, that you really want to get out of it on both sides, I think those conversations generally find their way to something that's going to work, you know, on, on both ends. So that's where we try to start. We work with dozens of media companies, hundreds of nonprofit organizations. Um, our business model is built around both uh, like a content marketing or, you know, advertising side, as well as what's growing very quickly is kind of a research and insights side. We didn't know when we started this that we were building this enormous database of how people actually experience health. Um, so we don't, you know, we don't sell any personal information or anything like that, but we can aggregate large data sets like thousands of posts around a particular topic um, run machine learning against those and really gain some interesting insights about how people are experiencing things and, you know, what emotions are tied together or different health conditions people may have, uh, you know, those types of things. So, um, uh, but, but, uh, but going back to partnerships, I think it's the best place to start is what's the value both sides of a partner are getting out of it. And if you can come up with good answers there, you can build some really strong partnerships. Yeah. Right. I love that. Um, in that same vein too, I mean, as we kind of are, are nearing towards the end of this, one question I, I have is you started as a publisher and very much iterated into, I mean, to some extent that, I mean, now it's very community driven and not necessarily publishing content driven. Um, do you see that te- uh, as a trend in the coming years for media companies in general and for other publishers? Um, I would hope so. Uh, I think it's, you know, the, the challenge that a lot of media companies have, and I've, I've worked in media a long time, and in some ways I'm a media skeptic because I know how hard <laughs> businesses are. And, and I think that um, for a long time it was about can you get eyeballs, right? Can you get, you know, readers to uh, a story and then you're running boxes and banners of advertising and, mm-hmm. and monetizing that way. And that model, if not dead, is close to dead, right? It's, it's certainly on its way out. And I think what's um, far more, uh, you know, uh, much better models um, are more of a membership model versus a kind of viewership model. So a membership model is more of like, how do you actually engage people and get them to come back? Being a passive reader isn't enough. Um, mm-hmm. You want people to take action, right? And, uh, and if you want that, then you, you've got to give them something to do. You've got to introduce them to the people that they may care about and, and so um, I, I think that the impact on a, uh, on a member, right, uh, of any kind of community, you, know, you need to have something there because we all go to websites like once a month and never go back, right? And so that someone may count us as an eyeball uh, that they, you know, hey, this person visited the site, but if we're not participating, if we're not engaging, we're not really worth that much to them. And they're not really worth that much to us. Uh, but if you find places that you go back to you know, weekly, daily, you interact, you meet people, you, you know, have discussions, it's far more meaningful to you. And, uh, and the, you are far more meaningful <laughs> to that community or that brand. And so I do think we're moving into a model where it's um, higher levels of engagement rather than just, you know, reading a piece of content. And when you get that as a company or organization, there are different types of ways you can monetize that, whether it's through subscriptions, whether it's through uh, e-commerce. I mean, you're, you're building trust and loyalty and all those things. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot you can do with it that you can't do with just a, you know, fly by reader. 
Yeah, no, I think it's so valuable. And I think as attention spans continue to decrease, it only becomes more and more valuable. And uh, and I think, yeah, like you said too, it's you're not going to necessarily be able to, there's only so far you can go within pushing out more content when it comes to really building community and engagement. With that said, uh, last kind of question here is a question we like to ask all our guests. It definitely will put you on the spot a little bit, but if you were starting a new direct-to-consumer product company from scratch, for starters, what would the product be? And then how would you deploy a 100K marketing budget to jumpstart growth? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I'd look for something that I could build multiple revenue streams off of. Um, So in terms of thinking about a product, it would be something that people care deeply about. Um, I mean, I, I have stuck in my head health because it just matters so much to us, um, uh, which is, it's kind of a, I don't know. I feel like I should come up with something other than what, that, what we're building here. But I, the, the key point is it's gotta be something that people care deeply about that matters to them, and not a fleeting interest or, you know, it wouldn't be cat videos. It'd be the opposite of that, right? It'd be something right. that people, it really matters to them. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would build it in a way where I felt like I could monetize it in, in, in multiple ways, right? So maybe there's an e-commerce arm to it. Maybe there's a, you're getting uh, some kind of insight that's valuable to an industry. Um, uh, there may be an ad component to it, uh, but I wouldn't bet on just one line of monetization. Yeah. Um, and, and then in terms of a hundred K marketing budget, uh, I, the, the reality is we don't have a marketing budget here. We built the 3 million members organically through, through the content. Um, but I, but if I were to do it, I would look f- for far more around, not the cost of the user, but about the retention, uh, it's, you know, getting someone into the funnel and signing up for something is one thing. Um, but you've got to get them to come back. So I wouldn't spend that money until I could see that I was retaining people at a high rate and then it would make a lot more sense for me to spend that money. So yeah. I've kind of worked around your question. I apologize for that, but that's how I think about it. You did it in excellent form though. So <laughs> yeah. uh, hats off for sure, for sure. Well, um, really appreciate the time today, Mike. I think all the work you're continuing to do with regards to helping people lead healthier lives and doing it by creating a, a connected, passionate community. Uh, we're grateful uh, for the work you're doing and that you're able to share some uh, some wisdom with us today, man. So keep it up. Thanks very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. Definitely. Take care. Man, well, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed what Mike had to say. I particularly was drawn to um, A, just the general like ethos and pivot of the company as a whole from a publisher into this more community-centric product and platform. And then also how they've been able to really kind of jumpstart engagement and really nurture and, and be strategic as far as how they're able to trigger engagement from the brand's perspective by leaning into these monthly challenges, by asking pointed questions that are a bit easier than the broader intimidating question, what's your story? So I think those are all very actionable takeaways that I, I think anybody that's listening to this that's responsible for marketing anything or trying to sell anything should really keep in mind and use to inform their strategy. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the gamification thing that you just brought up, I think is really powerful. Um, and I think that what's what's even more interesting is when they were building the company uh, and, and building that list of contributors, they were they were sending handwritten thank you notes, um, it, which is just kind of like, you know, it, it's a level of, uh, of personalization that I think a lot of like these emerging D2C brands are really taking note of. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it's a really good takeaway for a lot of brands and sort of galvanizing community. 
um, from members as well. Um, and also the value exchange in terms of brand partnerships. That's really powerful to me. We work with a lot of companies that, um, you know, need, need to actually work with other brands and figuring out what that community overlap is, uh, is, is really like valuable takeaway uh, because you don't want to just kind of partner with, you know, anybody willy nilly. You really need to, to figure out how you can aid each other's communities and really strengthen, um, you know, the power, power of that partnership. And then hopefully over time, you can continue to be partners um, and, and, and create a really awesome ecosystem thousand percent well uh, as always appreciate you all for tuning in if you haven't already we would love if you guys could leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast it helps us ensure we're hitting on what you care about and also helps us get this in front of more people but we care about you the most so thanks for tuning in we'll be back next week